Since 1992, Genesis House has been helping real people heal from addiction on their private recovery campus in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. Their family-owned program is accredited by the Joint Commission and offers detox and dual diagnosis treatment in a comfortable and confidential setting. At Genesis House, they focus on treating the underlying causes of addiction. Their comprehensive approach includes psychiatric care, individual and small group therapy, trauma healing techniques, and holistic care including yoga, massage, and animal-assisted therapy. After treatment, their clients enjoy the lifelong support of a nationwide network of Genesis House alumni. Call Genesis House today at 1-800-737-0933 to speak with someone who understands. Visit them on the web at www.genesishouse.net. It's time to start your journey to a long and successful recovery. Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast is brought to you by the Friends in Recovery Community, a thriving network of individuals who are fighting back against the stigma of addiction. Join our hosts as they speak up about the real issues of addiction, treatment, and recovery. Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, here are your friends in recovery. Welcome, everybody, to the Friends in Recovery podcast. I'm your host, Jersey Ed, along with my two co-hosts, Noontime with Sky and Tiff. And first of all, guys, I'd like to thank Genesis House for their ongoing support of this podcast. Without them, it would be impossible to do. And the other thing, too, about Genesis House, if you're struggling or you need to reach out, um, give them a call. Look them up, uh, genesishouse.net. Give them a call. See what we, see what we do over there. And if you need some help or if you want to talk to somebody, give them a call. Send us an email. Um, you know, and and support Genesis House because they do definitely support this podcast. So thank you, Genesis House. Rook, before we start, I want to just give you guys the topic. Uh, this week's show is a clinical look at step two with our, our really good friend Jeff Zazel. He's been on on the show before. Um, one quick correction from last week's show. I said we had three years that we turned three last week. We turned four. I thought so, but I didn't. Four. Okay. I didn't want to correct you during the show, and then I forgot afterwards. Yeah, I know if it was wrong, so I was like, let me just keep my mouth closed. Cuatro is muy bien. Four years. So stay tuned for um, some amazing recovery. Um, before I bring everybody on and, and tell everybody about what's going on, have, have a tip and, and Skylar tell about what's going on. I want to give you guys the literature today, what we're going to be using. I'm going to be reading from the 12 and 12, pages 25 through 30. That's step two. Uh, Skylar is going to use the, from AA, I mean from NA, she's going to use the um, how and why, the NA workbook and the basic text. Uh, Tiffany will use life recovery workbook and the big book. And Jeff is going to um, use um, Man's Search for Meeting by Viktor Frankl. So while we're reading, if you have those books around, um, just go grab them. Uh, real quick, sober shout out to Margot B, September 28th, 2008. Um, that is, uh, that's not this month, obviously, but she sent me a shout out. So Margot, we're going to put you in the contest for- Margot, uh, yay! Uh, End of the end of the month, they're going to give away two Genesis House T-shirts that Tiff is holding up right now. Um, 
The only thing that you have to do is send an email to help at friendsrecoverypodcast.com. That's Beautiful. help at friendsrecoverypodcast.com or below, comment below with your sober date. It could be this month. It could be the December, whatever. Just send us your sober date. We'll give you a sober shout out no matter what. And we'll enter you into the, um, into the, to the drawing for the uh, t-shirt. You have to be a large though, because that's all I got. All right. <laughs> or you squeeze. Don't look at that it. size one. It's an extra large. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And the Friends of Recovery um, websites um, update real quick, guys. I'll give it to you. Um, I just spoke to our our guy who's doing the website and it's coming along. So we'll have it. But if you need any information right now, go to genesishouse.net under connections. And you'll see um, all the podcasts. There's a podcast part on there too, and all the meetings. But Tiff, speaking about meetings, do you want to tell us a little bit about our, our meetings? Can I go back to the sober, sh sober shout out for a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I wanted to give a big sober shout out to our friends over at New Way, especially uh, after we met with Amy. Oh, hold your mug. There you go. Right. Yeah. Go New Way. Uh, had an amazing uh friend visit us uh when we were we were when i was introduced to amy uh happened to be a ghost we were in uh one okay. of the oldest uh pillsbury mansions and as we were sitting in the parlor ed said oh that must have been the smoking room and that must have been the ladies wine room or, or tea room whatever you want to call it and as we were sitting there, literally where this, where he pointed out the smoking room, a cloud of smoke, like a little haze went across the room and we didn't realize it. Like we didn't believe it at first that Amy and I got up and we were like, whatever, we're going to look at this. Literally there was a cloud. It looked like somebody had vaped, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of hangs in the air or when exhale smoke hangs mm. in the air, it was very, you know, small narrow and uh then they freaked out because i walked through it and it disappeared so uh, if i start talking crazy i might be the host of a ghost so <laughs> i don't know anyway we can talk about that card later sky we also have um telegram which we we uh it's like a daily text you can join our group and we send out motivational texts updates events different stuff like that um and we have the uh friends in recovery oh did, did you say i didn't go yet oh i thought you said go ahead Scott. <laughs> we're still doing a silver shout out <laughs> oh my God. So, anyway sky do you have any silver shout out and then i'll go into the meetings <laughs> that's okay keep coming back they tell me keep to just going, keep coming keep back. back it works There's so much going on yeah, all right, right. <laughs> okay so i'll go on on with the meetings unless you have a sober shout out you're good uh okay so our meetings we do offer twice daily meetings both at noon at 7 p.m eastern standard time as well as all of our additional meetings like for example we have an alumni and friends meeting which is held at 8 15 on tuesday night so that's those are we have meetings in addition or on top of uh, the two daily meetings that we have at both noon and seven. And then, of course, I want to mention my big book study, which is the regular seven o'clock meeting on Fridays. And we have a, a new meeting that's coming up on Fridays. 
at 7 p.m. So same code, same bat channel, same all of those things for 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's going to be called Celebrate Friends and Recovery. And that meeting is going to be more of a Christian-based meeting. So if that's the type of meeting that you're looking for, you can find it at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time starting March 4. And so we're looking forward to that. And all of our meetings are listed at genesishouse.net under connections. So if you're looking for any of those regular meetings plus additional meetings, which we have almost every night of the week, we're almost up to three meetings a week, guys. Did you realize that? Three daily meetings a week. Mm -hmm. We're almost there. So anyway, you can find those at genesishouse.net under connections. Now I would like to turn it over to the weather to see <laughs> with Guy. Noontime with Guy. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's an app you guys can download. It's called Telegram. And that's where you can get updates and different things we send out. Um, we I, also the gen I use Telegraph, remember? Telegraph. Yeah. I thought it was called Telegram. No, it's Telegram. <laughs> You're right, Sky. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. I'm messing with you. <laughs> oh my God. Stop messing with her, Ed. Um, All the listeners love this. <laughs> All the listeners love this. Okay, right? Sky. Let um, me do that over for you. Time with Sky. <laughs> um, also, you want to check out Genesis House Facebook page, and uh, attached to their page is the groups. So you're going to like the Genesis House page, and then you're going to go in the groups and join them. There's a Friends and Recovery community. There is an alumni only group, and there's also a Friends and Recovery Adventures group. So you can get involved with that. Thank you, Sky. So um, one thing we didn't mention, the, the coin challenge, attend any 30 Friends and Recovery meetings um, and receive the highly sought after Friends and Recovery Zooming through Recovery coin. Um, comment below, make sure that you, you, if you have any questions, if you did get the ch ch coin challenge done, there it is, Tip is showing you. Got it. Okay. And uh, if you want that highly sought after coin, come on out to the meetings, guys. So um, I think we made it through that part of the no, show. No, we didn't. I have to tell you something. <laughs> what did you I do? I just plugged my microphone in. So all those sound checks that you guys were doing with me earlier that said I sounded great, my microphone was not plugged in until one second ago. That's okay. much better. Well, that's now. probably why you sounded so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that stuff, the behind the scenes stuff. What is happening today? <laughs> it's, the ghost. it's the ghost, Tiff. It is. Don't say that, Ed. <laughs> I'm really freaked out about that. Ghost, guys, comment below. And yeah, right. Ghost. Should guys, have, it should, is. Should have walked through the ghost. It's ghost goo. <laughs> I struggle with that. I didn't walk through any ghost goo, yeah. but I did walk through a ghost haze. Anyway. Goo. I was goo. I <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Ghostbusters. All right. So, guys, as you know, on the last week's show, um, we did a question of the week, and I'm going to ask every week. I'm going to ask a question of the week. Short, quick answer. doesn't have to be long because um, we do have another part of the show. This already took seven hours, so. <laughs> and Jeff is going to resign after this show, so. I love it. Which, by the way, we only have 37 minutes left of recording time. <laughs> but this is life, isn't it? You get it, it is. It's exactly, life right? Life exactly. That's what right. you get right, to these too. You're right. So um, thanks for bringing that up. Yes. So the question question of the week is who is your who is your superhero or mentor in life and why? Comment below 
And we're going to answer that. I'm going to go to Jeff first. So it's a, you asked that question. It's a great question. And actually, I can think of many, many people that I put on that list. And it probably changes, you know, because I don't think it's, uh, you know, because as human beings, as we evolve, we have different interests. And then we have things that we honor. And then we switch gears. And then we honor something else. So, so, so I have some, like, automatic go-to people who I just think are really remarkable so one of the people so i'm gonna I have a twofer so uh one of the people is a, a, he's actually a retired navy seal david goggins so mm. david goggins grew up remarkably impoverished unbelievably abusive household grew up in buffalo and was being by his father and there was a lot of addiction and abuse and mistreatment in his home and that his mother actually was an abused woman, but highly you know, educated and worked at a university. They ended up moving to Indiana. And he was like, as he reports, a bit of a thug in high school. And then one day he's watching television and he sees this Navy SEAL commercial. And he decides he wants to be that person. So, uh, so first he actually joined the Air Force and had a, a lackluster career, spent a couple of years and left. Then he started working and he was a pest, pesticide uh, professional killing cockroaches late at night at fast food restaurants. He had no life, no meaning, no purpose. And he ballooned up to like over 300 pounds. Wow. And he was remarkably miserable. And then he sees the Navy SEAL commercial. And he decides that he wants to be that person. So he goes to the recruiters and they say, you're massively overweight, you're 300 pounds, we don't want you. And he kept on going to various recruiting stations. Fast forward, he decides to do it. He loses 120 pounds in three months. He becomes a Navy SEAL, but he, he flunks out during Hell Week three times. It took him three twice. The third time he got on. So they say he's the most remarkably fit long distance runner in the world. And he just believes that the human human capacity, the brain has the ability to sort of work through everything. So I have like remarkable respect for him because he connects the mind and the body. And he just mm -hmm. says, you have to callous your mind. Life is hard, expect it to be hard. If you know it's hard, it makes you tougher. And he's all about pushing yourself and achieving and not making excuses and be honest with yourself. It's really reminiscent of the 12 steps. And here's the thing called the accountability mirror. You take a mirror in your house and you take these little yellow stickums and you say the hard truth about yourself. You're lazy. You're not working your recovery. You take all the shortcuts. Mm -hmm. You never follow through on anything. You lie to your girlfriend. You lie to yourself. And you end up having to be accountable because you look at that every day. So the guy, the guy is quite remarkable. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's David Goggins. So he's a remarkable physical specimen. He has, you know, he just says, you know, the brain is everything. You can make your brain do things that your body can't do. Mm. So, uh, by the way, as a Navy SEAL, he also joined the Army Rangers and Air Force Search and Rescue. He's the only person to have made every elite, you know, military unit in three branches of the service. Right. So who's my other hero? The book that I was referencing, Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl is not, you know, he's deceased now, but he wasn't an ultra, ultra marathon runner. He was not an athlete. He was not, he didn't play sports. 
He was a uh, psychiatrist neurologist who grew up in Vienna when the Nazis invaded. And he was a friend of Freud. And he actually, he and his wife and his family was sent to Auschwitz. And so we talk about mentally tough people. So mentally tough people come in all shapes, shapes and sizes. And if you saw him or looked at him or listened to a, an old uh, video clip, he speaks with an Austrian accent. He's overweight. He's an academic. He's a beautiful man, though. He talks about the same things. The brain has the capacity of doing amazing things. And it's tied into a lot of the uh, relevance of, of, of spirituality, which I started preparing for our discussion today. So let me read about Viktor Frankl more, because he's all about that this power is greater than us that allows to transcend the pain we experience. So whether it's addiction or prison or mental illness or being in Auschwitz, it's the same process. So those are my two. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Tiff, who is your superhero or mentor? You know, when you sent me this question, oh, hi, guys, I'm Tiff. I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic and I am a friend in recovery. And I just want to say that because I believe in that and I want to say it all the time. Um, and uh, that's who I am. And there, that's going to help you understand, I think, where, you, where I'm coming from right now. Uh, when you sent us that question earlier this week, I was like, I don't know superheroes like I'm thinking like flying through the air like, you know, Superman, stuff like that. And I am not into that stuff. I just don't watch my kids do my boys do. I don't. My husband does. Anyway, so uh, the only one I could think of that kept standing out in my mind, and I know that you guys are going to laugh at me again, even though I already told you it's Harley Quinn. And I was like, I, I don't know why she's I, I she's so like, I just think she's adorable. I think she's uh, insane. I'm a lot <laughs> like her. I'm insane. Uh, she's a badass. She's extremely clever, you know. Um, but when it comes down to the bottom line of it, she really respects the word love and uh, loyalty. And I, I think those are two. I just really love those words, love and loyalty. And they explain myself a lot. Uh, I can relate to those two words. So that's why I was thinking of Harley Quinn. And so that was just off the cuff. Now, if you were to actually ask me who my mentor was, I would say it was is my little grandma Rosie with the wig that I talk about all the time who talks and, you know, like, is it the first person or the third person or whatever she talks about? But anyway, third person. Third person. Your grandma's going to call you today. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, grandma's grandma's going to call you, honey. Okay. You know, you know what grandma says? Grandma says, and that's how she talks. But anyway, she's just this very sweet, compassionate woman, but yet she's strong. She's independent. She came from nothing, but yet she always looks like poised. She can wear a sweatsuit and look like, like she she, she looks like a million bucks, right? She just like, that's just who she is, like even wearing a sweatsuit. And um, she's just so adorable. And she has such love for everybody. She believes in God. And she really set that foundation for me. So she's just very, I, I just, I love her. But yet she, you want to know what she is really good at? Setting boundaries. Mm. Setting boundaries. Like she does have her flaws. But setting boundaries are really good. And that's something that uh, right now she's really a great mentor for me and has been a mentor my whole life. So that's why I think of is, is my little grandma Rosie. So I don't care what you say, guys, but I got grandma Rosie and I have Harley Quinn. So <laughs> Thanks, Sky, back to the newsroom. 
<laughs> um, I didn't think of like anyone famous, like a character. I thought about people in my life too. Um, and I was, I was thinking my grandma too, but what really came to mind was my brothers. And I say both of them because they're like the yin and the yang. Um, one is like the, probably my partner in crime where like, you know, we could just like hash it out. I could get all, I could vent it all out and we can, and he'll vent it with me. And, and, you know, and he's my music guy. He's going to show me how to feel my feelings through reading the lyrics, stuff like that. Then I got uh, my other brother and he's a uh, Nike, like, just do it. I don't want to hear your BS. I don't want to hear the story. What are you going to do about it? So I have like the one I can vent to and the solution. Um, and both of them, um, I drive crazy and they're still always there for me. And like, you know, like they're just, loyal brothers and um they, they really love me and they've always looked out for me you know so yeah that's good thanks guy and guys my superhero or mentor um i have two also i think it's a two for today and um one is not famous but to me he's famous and one is somewhat famous um <clears throat> my uncle tom when i was growing up he was he was just the great family guy he was just that guy that took us to play baseball, football, um, always, you know, we, he, he had us doing, um, you know, he kept stats on us when we played baseball, we had two little, you know, two little teams, he kept stats. So if, you know, if you hit most home runs, you would get a, a banana split, uh, you know, if you kept most, you know, he, 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 he was just that guy. And as we got older and I got into recovery, um, he kind of took me under. He's not in recovery. He kind of took me under his wings. Him and I started running together. Um, you know, it, it was just this really good relationship that I had. He 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 kind of he kind of stepped in for my dad when I was growing up because my dad was too busy at the bar. Yeah. And Uncle Tom took us on trips all over the place. You know, skiing and Maine up to hiking up in uh, Acadia National Park and you name it. He took us camp everything, everything. So he is my my superhero, my Uncle Tom, my mentor is a guy named, he's from your part of the woods, your neck of the woods, uh, 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 Long Island, Jesse Itzler. Um, he, he, I think he, he started um, Coconut Water. He also wrote some songs for the NBA back in the 90s. Um, that's kind of how he started his career, got onto MTV with it. Um, and he, um, he also did... Uh, not net jet, but he had another one of those jet things. Um, forgot what it was. Anyways, uh, he's, he's, he's just a, a great guy. He's a, he's a, an ultra marathon runner. He does a lot of good things for a community that I belong to called BYLR. And it's, and it's very similar to people in recovery. It, it, it's not a recovery community, but just the goals that we set for ourselves, monthly, weekly, yearly goals. Um, it, it's just amazing. So uh, Jesse Itzler, and he actually wrote a book about the Navy SEAL, uh, David Goggins. It's called Living with a SEAL. He hired David Goggins. That's for right. Yeah. Hired he was in Hawaii. A month. Yeah. In, when he lived in New York. And uh, oh, a great book. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so that is our question of the week, guys. Uh, just give us below. You don't even have to tell us why. Just tell, just to tell us who your your superhero is, or who your mentor is. You, may, you know, if you want to email us at helpingfriendsrecoverypodcast.com, we can. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll read about them on the air next week if you um, if you if you do that. So, guys, we're going to go right into step two. We're going to take a clinical look at step two. 
Jeff Zazel is a, uh, a clinical social worker. And um, Al, what else are you, Jeff? So I am a clinical social worker. I have a lot of experience with addiction. I actually have a master's in public health. I do sports psychology. My primary thing these days is actually just you know, working with addictions, but I am the clinician for multiple police departments. So I respond to traumatic events. So all these things tend to overlap one way or the other. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to talk about step two and I'm going to read it and we're going to go into it and I'll, I'll open the floor to you first, Jeff. Um, sure. Came to believe a power greater than ourselves could lead us to sanity. Um, that's, that's a very powerful step guys. And as you know, the last two shows, I know we, we put, we had a lot of fun the last two shows with Carl and Soberpod, but it's definitely a step to kind of get over. Some people think it's easy, but when you really get into it, you really have to do some work and some soul searching and, and kind of figure out who is my, who is my higher power? You know what I mean? Who is the power greater than myself? So Jeff, from a clinical standpoint of view, what is, what's God to human beings? Is it important that we have a God in our lives? I guess is some of the questions that might be out there. Um, why is it important that we believe in something? Like why would people believe in a coffee cup or a God that we can't even see? Clinically, what does that do for us? If, if that's a good opening segue question. Well, the first thing I would say, it's really hard to drink coffee in your hands. So <laughs> coffee cups are actually remarkably useful. But that being said, the, uh, you know, I like the old phrase, there's no atheists in foxholes. So, and the reason there's no atheists in foxholes is we need to have hope. We need to have belief in something. So we know actually what the literature tells us about people who go through traumatic events. And, and interesting because I respond to so many terrible circumstances where police have been in a critical incident where there was a shooting or a hostage taking or a plane crash where people get terribly hurt. And the, uh, and I remember actually responding to a, uh, it was a DEA case up in, in New Hampshire where the three quote bad guys were in the hotel and they started firing, you know, bullets at, firing their weapons, you know, bullets were trying to hit these, these agents. They uh, became this big gunfight. So ultimately at the end of it, three of the people are dead. All the, uh, Bad guys with guns trying to kill the agents all died. And then I was brought up to interview and work with the DEA agents and other police who were involved in that event. So as it turns out, it was actually remarkably tragic. Two of the people who died actually died of drug overdoses while this gunfight is occurring. The third person who had the weapon was trying to shoot others. He got killed by a gentleman who was formerly a Marine sniper. So when they asked me, Jeff, what do you think we should do? I said, we have to debrief and let's get all these guys together. And what we know is that when people go through a terrible time, they need to have a sense of hope that they can get through this. So that's really step two. Step two is about hope and, and, and something greater than us. But the point I wanted to make, so I interview all the players involved and I meet with the, uh, we would say, the man who fired the kill shot. So as it turns out, he's a remarkably great guy, devoutly Catholic, very, very religious. So we start talking about faith and religion. And I said, you know, do you ever think that maybe God puts you in a place where you're doing something that has such meaning and power in your life? 
He said, yeah, sometimes I think that. And I said, I think this is one of those moments because mm-hmm. he put you in this place where you were able to calmly and coolly fire, unfortunately, t- kill someone, take someone's life, but you also saved countless other people's lives. So there's a sense of hope and spirituality. But what we do know is that people who are more devout and religious actually do much better when bad things happen. But that doesn't mean that's the only way to roam because uh, there's many roads. Mm-hmm. And I also think that, you know, when we're dealing with spirituality and that something is greater than us, it's really about optimism. Like I believe that something can be helping us. And when you're thinking those thoughts, you ha- it actually takes courage because it takes courage to believe you can get through this. Mm-hmm. It's easy to give up. It's easy to say, forget it. I'm never going to get well. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do to improve my sense of, of this dynamic that's playing out. So step two, there's, there's this element of spirituality and the concept that it's greater than me is really a universal thing because most humanoids that go back, you know, so the, the planet is 7 billion years old. Modern man, depending on how you define it. You know, if you talk to anthropologists, you know, there were, there were many, you know, men, hominoids who, who pre, you know, who predated us. Australopithecus, uh, Homo erectus, which is a modern man, you know, Neanderthal man, Cro-Magnon man. And by the way, Neanderthal man, I think I might've said this before, it gets a bad rap. They were actually quite intelligent. So Ed, when I call you a Neanderthal, you say, thank you. So, thank you. uh, but the uh, <laughs> but one of the things we do know is that they all have beliefs. They believe that there was something greater. Like Native people have amazing belief systems. You know, they believed actually that God created fish, and that fish were which of course nature creates fish. Maybe it's God, but when a leaf fell from a tree and it hit the water, they believed that became a fish. So uh, so we have all these concepts about you know how we look at things, and you know there every generally every. Per, every tribe and clan, ethnicity have belief systems, and we tend to believe that there's something greater than us. Yes. So it's and I and I tend to believe that too. So you know, it goes back to some of the questions we ask ourselves. So where did man come from? How did the earth start? How did all this get here? You know, so it's a metaphysical con, you know construct. Mm-hmm. It's scientific, but by the way, people who believe in science that's also powerful. That's also spiritual. Because how do you explain gravity? You know, how do you explain physics? How do you explain that certain things are lighter than they and float? But we can't. You know, th- there's an element of things greater than us. So, Jeff, I want to I want to talk about that piece because there are people out there um, that don't believe in a religion, that don't believe in a god, that don't want to do that. Now, um, that that they 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 don't have that. Um, that kind of belief in some of some of the things that you were talking about. So science is a way to, you know, kind of a, a power greater than ourselves. Um, you know, science, nature, nature, relationships, you know, mm-hmm. uh, self-discipline. I mean, those things are greater than us, you know, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, science is a perfect example. So, you know, can you be religious and scientific and read the Bible? I say, yes, of course, because mm-hmm. you don't always take everything so literal. Yeah. Right. I was yeah. just listening to a, a, a different, um, I guess it, maybe it was a YouTube video. And they're talking about that, you know, this step does not say came to believe in a power greater than my ourselves. It says came to believe that a power 
greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So a power when like what you're talking about, Jeff and, 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 and Ed is something greater than me. We just met with someone who said, you know, zero plus one is still one, but one plus one is two, right? And something bigger than just me. Like we talked about last week, we can believe in the group is something bigger than myself. That is a power greater than myself, right? Um, you know, because, you know, one plus one equals two, which means it's gr a greater number. And that's something that, you know, and, and those people that I'm going to believe in or, th you know, something that I'm going to believe in, I want to associate that with some, you know, somebody who has already achieved something that I want or can help me get to the place that I want to be. Um, that's just what I was just watching. It was a YouTube video about actually not even addiction. So, um, but you know, we were talking about addiction overall. It wasn't just AA that these steps can be used anywhere for any problem. You know, when you have something bigger than you or too. greater than you, right? Yep. Yes. The traditions yes. help me like know how to live in, with people and society. Yeah, I forget I can apply that to my life. It's like there's they're written for us. It's like a right. guideline, you know. Right. Tip, you made a great point because, you know, the the ability. So I would say, you know, one plus one is sometimes more than two, because it's the energy. It's right. the, mm. we're in this together. We have each other's yeah. back. You know, it's synergistic. So, All those other people that those two people know. Right, and so yeah. you know, of course, in a mathematical world, you know, it's it's two, but you get a couple of people together that, you know, th think about four of us, you know, we generate these interesting conversations and we feed off of each other and we create great, you know, greater things more than just four individuals, each contributing something. And, you know, when we think about, you know, the sense of spirituality, it's, you know, it's really about understanding, like it's going to, it takes more than a person also to do things, but we also, you know, the beauty of the 12 steps is, you know, people help you, but you help others and how we benefit from that, you know, the give and take. Well, the, the one, the one plus one, forgot who wrote the song. One plus one doesn't equal two. One plus one equals one. Think about that. One plus one equals one. That's the human race right there. One plus one equals one. That and must be the new math, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> one no, plus one equals N-E. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but but that is that's nature. That's the universe. That is human life. That is human beings. That's um, that's just a power greater than myself. Two people making one person. You know what I mean? And right. there has to be something out. Like we were talking earlier today, there has to be something out there that can can do this. That can produce all this. And Sky, you said it last week perfectly on the show. You, you, you said, you know, I think I'm in control of everything, but I'm not. I'm sitting here breathing. My heart's pumping. My blood's going through my body. You know, I'm thinking. I ain't I'm, doing any of that. <laughs> nothing of it. Right. And that's the same thing when human life is created. Right. So that that is also an amazing kind of um, feat yeah. in this world. And that's also if that whole thing is a powder greater than myself, creating a new human being like, we're, you know, but, but Jeff, I want to get back, and I know I went off a little on a tangent, yeah, but okay. when groups, right? Groups. When somebody believes in the power of a group, okay, why, clinically, why do they do that? Like, I can't wrap my head around believing in a power of a group. I understand the power of a group. I understand each person and how I can pick. That's why I asked today, guys, who was your mentor? Because it's important that we pick mentors and we, and we use them correctly. But I...
I wouldn't use my mentor as a higher power. Okay. Well, uh, it's funny so, that you, we each pick two, right? I know. That is like, think about that. Like all of us, each of us said yeah. two. And uh, once you know it, those are powers that are greater than just us alone. True. You know? Yep, exactly. Yeah. It also shows that we don't listen to Ed. <laughs> we don't follow uh -oh. directions well. We're really <laughs> bad at following directions. <laughs> Watch what's, out, you're talking to Jersey Ed. That's right, be careful. But you know, the, the interesting, interesting thing about the group is that what, why are they effective? You know, why are they so powerful? Because number one, everyone brings something to the table. You know, as Oscar Wilde said, just be yourself, everyone else is taken. You know, so we bring ourselves but we learn from each other and we share with each other. But more, you know, most powerfully is I think from, you know, Dr. Barb and Bill W, you know, they realized that when people who had the same problem got together, all of a sudden the judgment was gone. You know, I feel better about myself, but so do you. And we're doing the same thing. You know what? We're going to support each other. I'm not going to criticize you and make you feel bad. Why? I do the same exact thing. In fact, I'm grateful mm -hmm. that you exist because I thought I was the only one I felt like yes. a loser. I felt right. like a terrible person. And then I discovered that's how you get that hope you were talking about, Jeff. Right. Like I was going to ask you what methods you use most like for hope, because you were talking about that hope that like that this step provides. But I know like if someone comes in your office, what's like the best method to ask, like to to help them develop that hope? Like they're hopeless. They walk in your office yeah. and like, what, what do you do clinically to help them get there? So, so I always tell them, you know, sometimes therapy is educating. And sometimes it's also just people talking. And sometimes it's people talking about something that's not even therapeutic. It's just human beings. Sure. Did you watch the ball game last night? Terrible weather today. We normalize interactions. And then they actually feel comfortable. And I like some sometimes I'll see people come in, like, I don't know about this therapy stuff. Like, what is it? So just two people talking. You know, I said, and by the way, I bring some expertise to the uh to the meeting, but so do you. You know, mm -hmm. and I'll learn from you and, and you'll learn from me. And and we can share some of this information. But it is interesting. One of the first things I always say is that your disorder, your disease is highly treatable. It may not be easy, but it's highly treatable. That's hope. Yes. And I said, and I've been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. So uh, we get people who know that, you know, I know people who've gotten better. You know, it's funny that you bring that up, Jeff, because, you know, this step, um, you know, if you think about the first step was a, you know, a doctor you know, talked about the problem, uh, you know, and, and then uh, the second step, it what comes in the psychology part of it that you, mm -hmm. you, you know, you, you need the spiritual awakening to move on and, and recover. And that's where Dr. Young comes in or Dr. Young. How do you say yeah, it? You talk Young. About yeah. Call Young. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, so first we have our clinical doctor's perspective and now we're at step two and we have our you know, the top psychologist in the world or whatever he was or psychiatrist or whatever it was, um, it, he's saying, okay, you need to have a, some sort of spiritual awakening in order to heal 100%, 100% or completely. Um, and he said, heal, not cure, right? Heal. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, what do you think like from the clinical perspective and, and how this step particularly is about healing? So, so it is so interesting because there's, there's many, many ways that we heal. So, you know, I can maybe uh, go to church 
or religious institutions and pray and I can heal that way or I can go and exercise and work out and there's tremendous healing that takes place in that or I cannot isolate and be with others and just break bread or drink a cup of coffee you know there's studies that show that when people are using drugs of course, they'll, they'll have electrodes attached to certain parts of the brain. So it's the pleasure centers of the brain and, you know, drugs and alcohol. And they get this little electric, you know, bump up. Chemicals get released. They feel pleasure. They also discovered that a person just bumping into any other person, a stranger or otherwise, and have a conversation with that person for a couple minutes has the same exact chemical reaction. So what do we know? We know we heal just by being with others and, you know, you get rid of the drugs, you replace it with other things. You know, AA is about like, you know, self-awareness, motivation, you know, desire, you know, learning that you can be well and doing other things, but being part of a community because that, you know, we help each other. And, And we also know, of course, the, the adage is better to give than receive. When we help others, we always feel better. So interestingly, I had a, we talk about groups. So I had my, police group today on Thursdays. I had nine people and two women, seven men, all through various circumstances. Many of them have been involved in shootouts. One has killed someone. And we talk about, you know, gee, you know, would you want to trade your disorder, your problem, your trauma with anyone else? I'm not so sure you would because you you already own yours. You already have, uh, you know, found a way to make it work for you. But when we think about the sense of people being together, that really is helpful. You know, one of the things that, that if you're asking, like, so if someone comes in, how do you help them? Like, what do you do? So we talk about like, by the way, your disorder is treatable. You can get better. It may not be easy, but you can get better. And there's many ways of, of it getting better. We can meet, you can go to a 12-step meeting, you can do some other things, maybe medication is, is part of it, but you also have to put yourself out there. You have to take some risk. You have to like be willing to sort of try some new things. And we give them tools so when they're panicking and worried and anxious, they can reframe the thought, gee, Jeff said or someone said that this could happen. This will go away in a couple of minutes. I can take a deep breath and I this will pass. Give it a couple, you know, give it a day, give it a couple of minutes. We'll get better. The other thing I think that's remarkable about recovery is that people have an identity. Oh, my identity is such and such alcoholic, addict, user, et cetera. Yeah, that's a label, but we don't have to live by our labels. We can also have a new identity. I'm in recovery. I'm a mentor. I'm a sponsor. You know, I'm a student. I'm, I'm a person who's growing. And that's all about purpose. Those who have purpose always do better. So we know you wake up, you have nothing to do. You're kind of depressed. You wake up, you got to hit the ground running. There's so much to do. You don't even have time to be depressed because yeah. you are achieving. And as you achieve, you just feel so much better. So I had talked earlier about Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. So what's that about? It's about having purpose in life. It's about identifying what's the most important thing. And he actually says that there are three types of purposes. There's one purpose is work. I work. It makes me feel good. It gives me identity. And it, it's not the only identity because there should be multiple identities you have. So when I see cops, I say, don't have all your friends as police officers. Have other people because if your identity is that, mm-hmm. and when you retire, you got nothing. So it has mm-hmm. to be spread out. So it's work. 
it's love, it's courage. Those are the three main purposes because if you can have courage, it means you can achieve anything. So one should always believe that what gives them purpose is having courage. That gets you out of bed in the morning. That gets you go, walking into a meeting. That gets you applying for a job. That gets you traveling around the world and going to a foreign country where you don't even speak their language and you know the cultures. But what, how you end up feeling after that, you feel fantastic. So yes, so mm -hmm. I always try to get people to do new things. Why? Because they will feel better. We know that most people who are addicted have an underlying problem with depression, anxiety, and low self-worth. They try something new, they master it, what happens? They feel so much better. So it's about and that. That's that's the courage part. And then there's the love part. Two, one plus one equals two. You know, you're with others. You have you love each other. And, and it may not even be a romantic love. It's love of a fellow person and achieving connection. So there's a lot of like these elements that sort of you know coalesce with each other. Well, and and you know what, Jeff? That's what what you're speaking about here is a well-rounded type person. So. Um, mm -hmm. You know, being happy, being healthy, being um, you know, getting up and not and, and and hit the ground running. Now, what I've got out of that when I asked you about a group, you were saying, you know, you know, eat healthy, you know, run, um, take care of your mental health, do this, do that, um, have a mentor, have a you know, uh, have a you know, love your wife or your husband. That's that's a group that we put together yeah. and could be. I mean, to, to me, that wouldn't be my higher power, but that could be somebody's higher power. All those groups, because you know what? Uh, what what is it? Um, together we together we 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 stay yeah, so together we rise, together we fall. But yeah, yeah, but yeah. but you know what's interesting? A group. You're right. A group could be many many things. So we think about a traditional group. Oh, it's a Girl Scout group. It's a group of parishioners who go to church but a group could be the same people who ride the bus every day mm -hmm. the group could be the people you work with it could be the pto it could be people who work together in a community garden it could be an aa group yeah. and then you develop relationships and you know and it's important to have that it's a sense of community you know human beings need to be part of something that's why those of us who are isolated go downhill really fast and we need human touch. So there's a famous study in the early part of the 1900s in an orphanage in Columbia. Margaret Mala, child psychiatrist, goes to an orphanage. You can never do this study today. So uh, their babies abandoned at birth and they had two groups of babies. It was through the church and they instructed the uh, one group of uh, people worked there to just feed the baby, change the baby, give them nourishment, and not not touch them. Mm. Feed them, clean them, burp them, put them back. The other group did the same thing, but then they held them, they cuddled them, they cooed with them, they played with them. And it was called the, the failure to thrive study. Those mm. who were not touched by human beings died. Mm. Those who had touch lived you can never do the study today you know it's i, it's I can't know but i can confirm it for you because yeah. i have my son was a nikki baby 
So he was born at 28 weeks, two pounds, six ounces. So in the wow. NICU, I saw many babies by themselves. He was actually next to a baby that was older than him. And he, he outgrew that baby because that baby never had visitors. Oh. Baby sat there. So you're right. It can't be done. They don't even let people come in to hold the babies anymore. But it's so true. It's, yeah. it's so true. We, I saw we, the we, same thing with the two pound baby. Yeah. Sky and I connected immediately because we both had two pound, 14 ounce or four ounce babies mm -hmm. uh, at 28 weeks. And um, they were both super, super tiny. And we know what it means to see babies who aren't touched versus are touched. It's, yeah. it's incredible. The difference you guys. Yeah. Love. Yeah. yeah. Well, you ever see people walk down the street and you see people holding hands? I mean, that's a beautiful gesture. You know, it's mm -hmm. like unconscious. No, people don't do that much. No, no, I find But you see people holding hands. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And it's funny because I'm an identical twin. So when my brother and I, you know, we're five, six, seven, eight years old, we'd walk down the street, we'd hold hands together. So, <laughs> so here we are, older men. And one day we're walking, I grab his hand and he looks at me. We both start laughing. I said, remember we used to hold hands? That's great. <laughs> I want to point out you were talking about uh, groups before, you know, uh, and and how, and why they're important, and groups because you know groups when we get into these NICUs or when we're, we're with our babies, you know, we we raise our babies, a mom and a dad or a group, a sister and brother and mom and dad or a group, you know, you raise your babies, but when we get into call the say AA, when you put a, a bunch of drunks in a room and you get a get them all grouped together. We in the rooms call God a group of drunks, G-O-D, yeah. right? How crazy is that, that we're a bunch of group of drunks. It spells out God. And, and you know, you're trying to find your higher power, you know? Um, so, 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 you know, the, the group is definitely important because, like you said, we will, we will, will fail if, if we don't all kind of get together and, and kind of ourselves and, and and be something like you were saying with Goggins before perfect example of a group he didn't go into hell week by himself he didn't do it by himself if you read his book they he, they first of all they every anytime they entered the water they had partners and they stayed in groups that's number one number two those groups started off at two three thousand people whittled their way down when hell week came down to about what 20 people 10 yeah. people so you're still with a group, you know what I mean? And then it whittled down to maybe three or four, but that's still a group. But that group went from here all the way down to these three people. And they learned all through through when what they were doing, how they were doing it. And these three or four people, when they graduate, they 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 learned all that because of that group, because of the failures of some people in the group, because of the people quitting, because of the people you know, saying, okay, you know, you're the stronger one, you know, and, and whatever it is. So that group, like us, God, group of drunks, God, we learn from each other. I learn from relapses. I learn from people yeah. who maybe not going to meetings as much as they should be. I learn from people who, like we say, two-step it. I learn from that. And that's the group. I learn from that group. And it's really, really important that, um, that we do stay G-O-D, a group of drugs, so we can heal together, you know? And again, boom, there's your higher power. Right. I'm not pushing what, you, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's in what do you What okay. do you think about the second part, though, uh, Jeff, especially from a clinical perspective, the second or the end, it's not a second part, it's all one step, but the, it, the word insanity is in this step. Now for me, and, and, and I know Ed had said this too, and I can't remember what Skylar, if you had said this too, it was 
easy for me, and I can only talk for me, to accept that I was insane, that I was justifying insane behavior that I was doing, and I was going out and doing it over and over and over. I, as I slowly began to heal, I was able to see even more my insane behavior. But some people really struggle with that, that insanity word. Yeah. How, I mean... I was going to say that people who can like call themselves that that's a healthy response because at the end of the day, we are all imperfect or insane or a little crazy. And it's sort of liberating, refreshing to say that, but we can say it because we also aren't going to be judging ourselves and the ability to sort of make fun of yourself and be uh, self-deprecating. It's really a type of humility. So Mm -hmm. people who say, Oh yeah, I'm kind of crazy. You know what they also feel? There's a part of me that's really together. There's a part of me that's worked really hard to get to this. I could say this and not feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. The person who gets defensive hasn't done the work. Right. And I feel like too, like um, I've, I've met some people. um, This is from another perspective guys that um, they rely too heavily on God or only on God. And I've seen them fail over and over and over because they only rely on God, not that collaborative thinking, right? And I also see some of the same people, right, who don't accept the insanity part, right, fail over and over and over because, like, like I said, I could see now that I was justifying my insane behavior. I was trying to make everybody else, you know, and myself in my own head, like this was okay behavior, even though I knew it was insane. So I could accept that right away. But and some people cannot. What did Carlos, what were you saying that Carl was going to say last week? Last week is that why would I, and, and this is a good question for you, Jeff. Why would I do something in crazily insane versus take, so we'll, we'll, I think he put it this way, go to treatment, get well, or keep doing what you're doing, getting arrested, going back to jail. Oh, yeah. It says that in the book. I can either choose to justify this crazy behavior and go on to the better end, or I could, you know, just take spiritual help and it will be okay, right? I can follow this book. But why do we pause and think about that, Jeff? (laughs) Why why does our insane pause and say, well, maybe I do want to, stay crazy and drinking yeah. and go on to the bitter end and you've experienced that in your your office right there people saying well no i'm going to go out again i'm yeah. sure no so so i think there's, there's a number of factors first of all everyone's different so you we can't always universally say everyone's responding the same but there are some general universals i mean you keep on using drugs and and booze it's gonna it's gonna kill you eventually so uh so what but what do we know that some people are in denial, so they don't want to admit they have a problem because right. if okay, I admit denial. I have a problem, therefore I must do something. But if I say, "Oh, it's not a problem," I don't. Those alcohol and drug treatment programs or those meetings—that's for people who have a problem. So I operate in denial, thus I don't need it because I think I'm fine. So why mm-hmm. do I keep on using? Because I think I'm fine, or I'm afraid. I'm afraid what life will be like without it. I'm not sure I can handle that. That's where it takes courage. So what we say, Victor Frankl said man's search for meaning. You have to have purpose. What's purpose? You know, work, courage, and love. You know, we can spread them out, you know, spill it out to other variables, but, you know, courage is something about confronting yourself and being honest to yourself and saying, I'm going to try to do this. So, you know, Tiff, when you had said, why is it that people continue to do this? Because they're afraid. And yeah. it, it's hard. It takes guts 
to decide you're going to change. But if well, I, I felt that I felt denial and I felt fear. Yeah. And now looking back, you know, for a split second, something took over me and words came out of my mouth and said, I need help. I knew I was doing something wrong. I didn't want to continue to justify the behavior, but I was afraid to fix it. Um, and I was afraid of what it looked like on the other side too. How was I going to live? What did this mean? I only right. knew this world, right? What, what was I going to be, yeah. um, without alcohol and drugs? I only knew a world of alcohol and drugs and how to behave in that manner. You know, hey, Jeff, do you, but do you guys, do you ever use like motivational interviewing or CBT yes. to like help them uh, see this stuff? Like clinically, like motivational interview is pretty good, right? Yeah. Yes. It really is good. So motivational interviewing, is really about meeting the person where they're at. So mm -hmm. someone uh, gets arrested for drunk driving three times and they come to the office because they're mandated by the court. So I said, do you think you have a problem? No, I just think I had three bad cops who had an infamy. So, okay. <laughs> Pretty cool. I understand. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the cops can be kind of nasty, you know. They happen. And then, of course, I tell them I work with cops and they love that. <laughs> so, but but it, it is helpful because it's really about letting the person rise to the occasion. You know, like when you have teenagers and you tell them what to do all the time, they become resentful. If you say, well, what do you think you should do? They often come up with the answer. Like when my yeah. kids had to be, quote, disciplined, I would say, well, what do you think the discipline would be? What do you think it should be? They would always discipline themselves much harder than I ever would. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I said, okay, um, yes, no food for seventeen months, um, but you'll have a lot of things to. You have a lot of liquid. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, it's interesting. We were talking about, you know, the, this of like a group and what a powerful experience it is. We know that we tend to, we go to these groups. All of a sudden, we see someone who's like us. You know, we connect on whatever level. You know, there's. I always say you can relate to people at some level. You know, and maybe you don't know, speak the same language, but maybe you have children, or maybe you're a certain age, or what have you. But the uh, if you make the effort, you can find some commonality. Okay. The but when we get people thrown in the group together, you know, they they're there to help each other, and everyone's at a different level. We do know that the experience of being together is powerful, mm -hmm. and what you'll find is that people will leave, and and sometime later you'll say, "So, how was that group?" Oh, it was really good. What'd you talk about? Hmm. I don't even, I don't remember, but it was really good. Mm -hmm. So what are they saying? They felt good. People felt treated good. them yeah. nicely. So you I know, know, right? It's it's like not about how long we know someone, it's about how they make us feel. Exactly. Right? Exactly yeah. right. But I'm glad you brought that up, Sky, because that is a real clinical perspective. I went through a study while at the U of M while I was in a residential treatment, and they pounded into us that. Um, uh, they found that the highest success rate, uh, for alcoholics and drug addicts for, to stay clean or the, or the length of whatever, if it was length sobriety or whatever, the highest success came from, uh, going through inpatient treatment at, as well as it being followed up with some sort of CBT or DBT therapy, mm -hmm. you know, in, in conjunction you know, with some sort of a therapy that's an ongoing process to teach yeah. us tools to stay sober. What's well, inpatient treatment, guys? It's a group. It's a group. Well, yeah. like, but they're that's saying the first that group therapy you really experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A group of like-minded people. And like Jeff said, meeting them where they're at. And and that group, those those therapists in, in, in your treatment center, my treatment center, Skylar, yours, 
they met us where we were at. But as a whole group, we were a group of drunks. We were a group of drug addicts. We were a group of whatever. And they treated us differently, but we were all one, right? And that's and that's, um, yeah. that's how this program works. We're all one. Jeff, I want to... We're going to have to close here in a minute, but I want to read the last sentence of step two on page 33. Um, True humility and an open mind can lead us to faith. And every AA meeting is an assurance that God will restore us to sanity if we rightly uh, relate ourselves to him. So that is that's very powerful right there. True humility. When, when I can just honestly say, okay, you know, I need to just kind of just let somebody help me out. That's number one, you know, asking for help. Number two, an open mind. Open mind being to step two is, is huge. A God of my understanding, a power greater than myself. It doesn't have to be a God. It, it could be whatever. But at the end here, and this is the question I have for you, um, God will restore us to sanity if we rightly relate ourselves to him. How does that work? If we write relate, I don't know. I don't think I should say how does that work? How does that as a human being make us aligned with what's going to make us humble and keep an open mind by relating to God or the universe? You know, what does that do? Psych psyche, I guess, psychologically or mm -hmm. clinically. Why should I do that? Mm. Yeah. So it's a great, it's a great, point it's, it's similar to what we had talked about last time which is that so you know we're, we're saying like let it go take a risk believe that something greater god or whatever you believe your higher power is will help you it's really about coming to terms with what you have control over so when i say that like last week we talked about in step one you know ultimately it's like we're powerless so it's really an extension of that it's like i am powerless and i'm hoping and believing so we know that Step two has a lot about hope and there's a spiritual component. It's optimism. I believe that if I let go of some of these negative constructs of my behavior, that something greater than me can actually help me. So it's really like, the, and when we look back in mankind, you know, people have prayed to all sorts of deities. You know, we tend to believe in our culture, you know, we're monotheistic, you know, one God. We don't pray to golden calves and golden deities. We pray to, we pray to, one entity and that's most religions although they do have others sort of spin-offs so what are we saying we're saying that there's something greater than us that we believe is going to you know help us restore us to sanity we're basically saying i can't do it mm -hmm. i need to surrender if because if we look back well how's it you know i like to say so how's that been working out for you so far you know not very well so i let go of it and then something greater takes over and then something bad happens. See, I knew God wasn't there, but sometimes you got to give it a shot. That's where we keep an open mind. We don't always get it the first time. So, and we also want to keep an open mind to other people. Like someone messes up, you know, we don't have to beat them up. Let's keep an open mind, cut them a break. You know, we don't always get it right the first time. Yeah. How do you see Jeff, um, when you're working with alcoholics and addicts, um, do you, how do you see trauma and abuse relating to this step like or you know relating to addiction and this step trauma abuse uh do you see that there's a high relation or getting how is it get in the way of this step how can we get past that trauma and abuse in this step 
you know, yeah, it's a very good we can question. move forward and believe in something greater than ourselves. So we know that, you know, th there's many uh, comorbidities. So, you know, someone was abused as a child, they were sexually assaulted. There's suicides in their family. They, they lived in poverty. They were beaten. You know, they have addiction. They have mental illness. A lot of comorbidities, and it's tough. So we know that, you know, statistically, the more comorbidities you have, the harder they are to treat. But we also expect that people with addiction, they come with some baggage. So what's the baggage? It's typically, you know, some sort of abuse, depression, anxiety, etc. And you have to, you know, treat them. In you know, we used to say in the old days, oh, treat the addiction first. Well, yeah, of course, get them detox. Find out what their baseline is. But we also have to treat them together. We have to be gentle. We have to be kind. We have to actually educate them. A lot of therapies about educating people, teaching them skills. What's cognitive behavioral therapy? You learn how to change how you think. You change how you feel. And then you learn about the triggers. Gee, this is a trigger for me. What's a trigger? Well, we'll have this experience or this external situation or a sound or a smell. It brings me back to a previous experience, which isn't always good. And we know that the olfactory sense is the strongest sense of recall. So you could be driving down the street and smell something and it's a negative trigger. Or conversely, it's a positive trigger. You know, walking down the street, the North End, Italian section of Boston, someone's cooking something and you smell it. And actually this happened to me. It reminded me of my grandmother's apartment. So, uh, and you know, we're Jewish, not Italian, but some of the food smelled the same, you know, depending what she was, they were cooking a pot of chicken, I think, for chicken cacciatore. Ed. So uh, the Annette you know, <laughs> is actually uh, my Jewish cousin. He's uh, both Italian and Jewish. So uh, according <laughs> to ancestry. So, yeah. but but it is interesting <laughs> because these things do go together. Yes. yes. And we have to treat them together. But okay. we know that you can't succeed unless you treat them both. So right. you get someone in good recovery, but you never really deal with the trauma. Guess what? It's going to rear its ugly head. Something's sure. going to happen. So sure. I saw a cop today who uh, had a lot of trauma, also alcoholic. And they had a really bad experience happen re just recently. And I said, so how's the week going? Not so great. So he tells me something bad happened and it triggered it. But he did say what he's learning in recovery is that the drinking is not going to resolve the problem. It's a quick fix, but it creates more problems. And he had the wherewithal, amazingly, to think it through. So we sometimes say, think a drink. So what would have happened if you drank? Well, I would have felt good for that moment. And I would have had a few more and a few more. Then I'd go right. home and my wife would be upset and I'd be in rough shape and I couldn't go to work and so on and so forth. So we learn like this is not a good pattern. Part of what we try to help people learn is new patterns. So I feel this, I have some alternatives. So, you know, I can journal, I can call my sponsor. I can go to a meeting. I can meditate. I can practice mindfulness. I can go for a run. I could read a book. I could take a nap. I can listen to a podcast and I can do many, many things. It's in, uh, And the reason I asked that question is because I, I have all these workbooks and I tell everybody this all the time on, on, on the podcast and all my meetings and step two and step four, uh, but with are the only or not the only, have the most questions related to trauma 
or unfairness in my life or um, what's or relating to what's holding me back. It's all trauma, uh, unfairness. Things are all in those two steps. The most questions in these work workbooks relate to trauma and my addiction or, mm. you know, and, and I find them the most in step two. And so I'm saying there's so many questions that relate to yeah. step two related to trauma. And I want to relate that in, into our discussion today. And um, it's, it's basically telling me and what you just told me. And my husband asked me last night, why do you think you've had success where other people have not? Right. And that's a fair question for him to ask. Yeah, right. Good question. And, I, and I think it's because, uh, because I've, I've had so much work with a therapist mm -hmm. on my mental health, right. With my group, my fellowship, where I've created connection Yep. And then my sponsor, you know, so that's where I think I went over that hurdle on step two is that I had the therapist to talk about these other things, these mental illnesses, these comorbidities that you're talking about, trauma, past unfairness, whatever it is, PTSD. I've had the therapist to work on that. I've had my fellowship to work closely on my addiction, right? And then my sponsor is someone I work closely, even, even more close, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what got me through step two. Guys, this, this is a perfect example of, um, I like Jeff coming on once a month because it shows, and Tiffany just said it, that these steps can be worked in a clinical setting. They can, like, oh, Jeff, yeah. definitely. You, Jeff is not in recovery, nor does he wish to be, um, but, you know, he's, um, he, he understands it. So from exactly what you said, Tiff, your sponsor, the group, your network, they get you through one piece, the clinical piece. You can ask, you know, your, your therapist, get a therapist. It's so important and go through the steps with your therapist too. They're not going to do exactly what your sponsor does. They're not going to do what, you know, what's going to happen in the rooms, but they're going to explain things on, on a different level. So you can yes. understand it between trauma, mm -hmm. between, you know, higher power, whatever it is. Well, even step one, why should I stop drinking? Well, let's look at that. And, you know, Jeff, you would probably list a whole bunch of different things, mm -hmm. but What's it going and where's it turning your life into and what's it affecting, blah, 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 so on and so forth. So I really encourage everybody. Um, again, the other thing, too, is this is just opinion of four people on a podcast. This doesn't mean it's 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 written in stone, but my suggestion or my capital O for opinion, capital O. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Opinion, opinion, opinion. My opinion, because it worked for me, obviously, Tiff and Skyler, yes. is let's get a therapist. And really dig into those questions that might be need a little bit more clinical, like definitely all that with your therapist on the step exactly step two, because you have to keep an open mind with step two. That's what we've been finding out. If you don't keep an open mind, and especially with your therapist, if you don't keep an open mind, it ain't gonna work. It ain't gonna work. So if it ain't gonna Honesty. work with your therapist who's a professional. What's going to happen when you get out into the real world or work with your sponsor or talk to other people if you're not keeping an open mind? It's all just going to fall apart, like you said earlier, Jeff, you know? Yeah, so um, very true. any last 
words on step two because we have to close. real quick before we close because you got you guys just made like such a huge point like the whole reason we do steps is to like learn the spiritual principles right and like there's so much you can do in the clinical office because the spiritual principles of step two and and jeff said them all throughout the entire podcast just so we're clear so right out of the na workbook the spiritual principles open-mindedness willingness faith trust and humility he named all those as he explained how he would work with the client so very much the step work is in, in clinical setting you know what I mean? It's just it's worded different, but it's totally right. step work. You right. know, absolutely. He's going to show us how to deal with humility, how to be, you know, like accepting and stuff like that. That's what he does. What are know? my feelings? What are feelings? Right. Exactly. It's awesome. I didn't know that. I, I was in this step when I, I got so close with the therapist and that therapist said to me, you know what? You need more. You need DBT. You need an intensive outpatient DBT, you know, a, a dialectical behavioral therapy so that I know I, I, I have to remember not everybody knows what DBT is. Right. Mm -hmm. So you need to learn what your feelings are and how to handle them first. Right. Before we can go into a deeper setting a deeper dive into what you need right but what i learned is that you know aa is not a cure for my mental illness right but in conjunction right aa is a cure in conjunction right it, together with aa and a therapist this is exactly what i need mm -hmm. i need I aa and a therapist sum it all up but i think skyler and tiffany just summed up <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Good job, ladies. <laughs> you throw We're walking billboards, Sky and I. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. I'm like, we love the program. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's, but here is a, 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 a salute or a, a, you know, a high five to therapy because the, mm -hmm. everybody's in therapy. Everybody who's in therapy or at some point in their life was right. all in therapy. And that's what we learned, mm -hmm. guy. Exactly what you heard. We didn't make this shit up. We're not, we don't study it in books. We learned it from a gentleman just like Jeff or a woman, you yeah. know, in the same position. But that's, better. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. that's that's exactly how that all works. Um, anything, Jeff, you want to sum up uh, step two or anything before we go? Yeah, so so I would say, you know, we all have a sense of spirituality. Sometimes we're not connect, you know, we don't know it. But just look outside, look at a bird, look at the sunrise, look at, look at, we, we are so insignificant and there's a world out there that's so beyond us. And I always think like everything is made of atoms. So when it's all energy. So when we die, there's still atoms, you know, there's atoms in our ashes. So there's still energy. So all of us have energy. So if that's not a sense of spirituality, you know, I'm not sure what is. So, and it doesn't have to be God, it's, it's energy. You know, Einstein said E equals MC squared. Everything has energy. So we're all made of energy, a pen, a piece of paper. It's all added in a particular way. So, and you can burn it and you can crumble and you can toss it and it can degrade. It's still something else. So when you were talking earlier, I know talking about ghosts and so on, but you know, there's energy. So, you know, we don't always, we can't always define it. The, the thing I always like to say to my patients, though, if you're going to work in recovery, you got to do the work. You know, you can't sub it out. Yeah. So uh, you can't hire someone to do push-ups for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Own your disease, own your recovery. Right. Speaking of a okay. disease, guys, speaking of disease, I want to just say something about sober pod. <laughs> <laughs> Carl. That was really clever. Well, I, I actually really like that. Speaking of a disease, let's talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah. Carl at sober pod. Right. That's it. Go listen to genital house. Yeah, here's some magic. Genital house. Yeah, we're going to get it back. Disease sober pod. <laughs> we will. We will. 
Guys, we love SoberPod, as, as you guys know. Last two shows, Carl was on with us, um, did an amazing job. Um, less cursing on this show, I noticed. Uh, but, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, Shut uh, the hell up, Ed. <laughs> but, um, I always say back. that. Did we even curse? I say that to my husband. Did we even curse? And yeah. now I'm thinking I probably said it fuck, probably at least 20 times on this show. Uh, but anyway. Well, well, if not, then we'll have we have enough of the F word from Carl the last. <laughs> yeah, I encourage all listeners go over to listen to SoberPod. They're, they have a great show, um, you know, and they plug us, we plug them. Um, we we really uh, kind of work together. Um, I talk to Carl almost every day. He's part of my network, believe it or not. Yeah, um, real, real good guy. Jeff had the pleasure of meeting Carl. Yes, loved ones meeting a couple of weeks ago. Carl, Carl, Carl is very impressive. I like Carl. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So listen to SoberPod, SoberPod.com. Go support them. Um, they have a members-only section. They have all that stuff. So go go listen to them. And we, and we love SoberPod. So um, on that, guys, step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. Um, it, it's, it's an amazing step. It's a step that we can talk about probably the rest of the year clinically from AA standpoint of view from a sponsor standpoint of view from a sponsee standpoint of view from a drunk standpoint of view and from a family standpoint of view it really resonates all around and it's you get a different answer and a different growth from everybody I believe in step two so um we want to hear comment below guys and some of the stuff that we were we were talking about today um send us an email at help at friends and recovery podcast.com Jeff Zazel, I really want to thank you so much for the wonderful information you pass along every month to our listeners. It really does make a difference. And you're a wonderful, wonderful therapist. And we really appreciate the good stuff you're doing in this world, Jeff. We appreciate thank it. You. Thank and, you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And that, guys, um, stay sober, everybody. Yeah. Cheers. This concludes this episode of Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast. Follow us on Facebook for past shows and updates and enjoy free access to twice daily support meetings. Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube 24 hours a day, seven days a week.